you know, um, I've got a really good relationship with, with my grandfather. I've been very blessed to have uh, some pretty great people in my life, and my grandfather is one of those people. And uh, we, he, he was very young. He was in his 40s when I was born. And so, you know, he's kind of like been a second dad to me, and we've done a lot of pretty cool things together. We used to... Um, we used to play Dukes of Hazard together, and we would roll the windows down of his old beat-up pickup truck, and that was the General Lee. I know that's going, some of you guys don't even know what that is, other than like the Jessica Simpson movie, but no, this was the real Dukes of Hazard, and it was a lot better than the movie um, that just came out. But we would be Bo and Luke, and we would climb in the windows of his car, and we would just, you know, we would go around. We'd be, we'd be firemen. I was Sparky. He was Flame. And, you know, we would, we would go put out fires in this old beat-up blue pickup truck. And so I've just got lots of great memories with my grandfather. But there's something you need to know about my grandfather. When we would do something that was competitive, whether it was basketball, playing football, golf. He taught me how to play golf, and he didn't do a very good job, but he tried. And, um, you know, anything we would do, he would never let me win. And you would think like a grandfather kind of person, he would just be so sweet and kind, and, you know, he would kind of let you win. Uh Uh-uh. Never would he let me win at anything. He would beat me like a drum in golf. Um, he, in basketball, as just a little guy, you know, he would, he, would, he would pack my shots. He'd steal the ball from me. I mean, he would never give me the satisfaction of winning, you know. And it was only until recently that I could even beat him in basketball once I outgrew him. But, um, but so that, that's just my grandfather. So I just kind of wanted to paint that picture for you. Another thing that we would do together when we weren't outside playing as when I was a kid, we would play checkers. All right, we, we would sit down in the evening, we'd play checkers sometimes when I'd spend the night over there. And again, he would never let me win. Never. And I always was so amazed when I would play because I would work so hard. I would focus in, I would look at that checkerboard, and I would sit there and think, what's my next move? What should I do? And I was always so focused on that one move. My grandfather had this ability to see even beyond the very next move and to see like three or four moves into the game and so I never stood a chance. You know, I'm sitting there with one, one checker left, you know, and he's sitting there with my whole pile in front of him, you know, and this is the way it just went over and over and over again. You know, and in our lives sometimes, I think, I think that kind of describes us. We tend to take like a game of checkers like that, which to be successful, you've got to see the whole game. You've got to be able to see that game play out in front of you before it ever happens. And we, you know, in a game, that, that's all well and good. But I think too many times, and I know this is true for me, I apply that to my life with Christ, to my journey with him. I want to go ahead and plot out the whole thing. I want to go ahead and know all the moves that are coming up. I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I want to know what's going to happen next week. I want to know what's going to happen next year. And I go ahead and I try to figure all that out right now, and then I live my life based upon that plan that I figured out for God. And that doesn't work. And that's what I want us to see today in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at. And it's this point right here. This is where I want us to wrap our minds around. If you don't hear anything else today, listen to this, and then you can tune me out. But the main idea where we're going to land today is that in our journey with Christ, our job is not to plot the course. Our job is to follow the leader. And I think we forget that. I think we like that game as a child. We don't mind following the leader. But the older we get, the more we want control. And we want to plot the course. And we want to set the direction of our life. And even, you know, we may even start out 
And I know this is, this is true of me. When I gave my life to Christ, I surrendered to him. I even remember as a junior in high school, when I surrendered to ministry, and I thought, God, you're calling me into ministry, and I surrender my life to you, and you can use me in any way you want to. You know, the very next thing I did, started figuring out how I was going to do ministry. Rather than allow God to plot that course, I started plotting it myself. And there's nothing wrong with making plans. And there's nothing wrong with thinking about what God's got in store for us. But if we hold on too tightly to our plans, to our man-made plans, to, to our own reason and our own logic, rather than trusting and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are setting ourselves up for some hard times. And so that's what I want to look at today is that on our journey with Christ, our job's not to plot the course. Our job is to follow the leader. If you've got your Bible, I want you to open it up and look with me at a passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 13. And I mentioned a few minutes ago that this is a passage of Scripture that God showed me about seven years ago. You know, many of you guys know that I've had the opportunity to go to Israel several times and study and, and just enjoy seeing all the places where Jesus walked and, and, just, and just to see Scripture come to life um, in an amazing way, to be there in that land where, where so many of the events we read about happened. And, we're, and I was sitting there about seven years ago. Avery had just been born um, just a few weeks before this. She was about six weeks old. And, and I got the opportunity for the first time to go to Israel. And our plane landed in Tel Aviv, and we drove over, and we stayed on the Mediterranean Sea the first night that we were there. And I'm looking out over the Mediterranean Sea that evening, and then I'm reading my Bible. And as I'm reading, I stumble across this passage of Scripture. And that's what I want to share with you today. And this is a passage of Scripture that God reminds me of continually in, in my walk with Him, and even more so in a very specific way. Uh, in the last few weeks. So let's read this passage of Scripture together. Exodus chapter 13. Let's look at verse 17. God's Word says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Verse 18, But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Now, if you would, look over at verse 21. Let's pick it up right there. And it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. This is kind of a little aside in this narrative of the Israelites being delivered from the bondage of Egypt, all right? It's already happened. Pharaoh has called Moses in after that tenth and final plague where the firstborn throughout the land was killed unless you had the blood of the lamb sprinkled on the doorposts. That has happened, okay? Pharaoh is, is broken. He is crushed. His land has been decimated by the other nine plagues, and finally... It's gotten too personal. He's lost too much. And finally, he says, just go. Take the Israelites and leave. Get out of my sight. I can't, I can't take it any longer. Moses, get them out of here. And then as they are preparing to leave, God gives us these few verses 
just to kind of set the stage for what's getting ready to happen. The Israelites are getting ready to, to start their journey. And we know about this, right? If you've grown up in church, if you've been around the stories of Scripture, if you've been in Sunday school as a child, you know what's coming. You know the Israelites are getting ready to cross the Red Sea. God's going to divide the waters of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel are going to walk across on dry land, and then the sea is going to come back, and it's just going to engulf the, the Pharaoh's army as they, as they chase them into the sea, and then the Israelites are going to start their journey toward the promised land. So we know that's coming. But sometimes, and I miss this for so long, this little, these few little verses right here, there was another way they could have gone. There was another way that they could have gotten from Egypt to the promised land when they crossed the Jordan River and ended up in the land of Jericho. And if you've, got, if you've got a Bible in front of you, you can flip to the back and you can see in your maps, you know, those things we never use, but we just know they're, they're kind of there. We just think that's just there. But they're actually a cool tool to use sometimes. Um, and if you will look in those maps, you've probably got one in the back of your Bible that talks about, and it shows you the course that the children of Israel followed as they went to the promised land, as they traveled through the wilderness. And, you know, they ended up spending 40 years there because of bad choices that they made. But you can see the journey. Well, when you look at that, if you will look, they started out down here in Egypt, you know, Jericho somewhere kind of up here, I guess, somewhere, you know, you can follow me here. This is such a, a scale map that I'm, I'm showing you right now. Um, but down here in Egypt, they're, 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 there they are, and Pharaoh says, get out. Moses says, we're gone. And, and they get ready to take off. And they go towards the Red Sea. But if you look at that map, there was a quicker way. They could have gone a different way. And if I had been plotting the course, if I had been plotting the course for the Israelites, I would have picked this other way. And I think most of you probably would too. Because the other way skipped the desert. The other way avoided having to cross over the Red Sea. You ever tried to take over a million people across a big body of water? That doesn't work real well, does it? That's kind of a, an obstacle, you know, to get where you're going. Well, there was another way. They could have gone up the coast. They could have gone up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and it would have been a better climate. It would have been an easier journey physically, and it would have been a much quicker journey for this large group of people to go up the coast and then just hang a right and end up in the promised land. That would have been the way I would have chosen. But God had other plans, and God sent them another way. And this morning, I want to look at that because as I thought about this passage of Scripture so long ago and as God has been using this passage of Scripture in my life lately, I've been reminded of some truths from this passage of Scripture that are helping me where I am in my walk with Christ, in my journey with Him. And my prayer this morning and my prayer as I've been getting ready to share with you today is that these truths would impact your journey with Christ as well. And that they would help you follow Christ in a deeper way than you ever have before. So I want to unpack this passage a little bit as we go. So if you would, let's just look back at verse 17 and let's start right there. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the Philistines, although that was near. And the first thing I think we need to be reminded of when we think about our journey with Christ and the fact that it's not our job to plot the course, it's our job to follow the leader, it's this right here. God's purpose isn't just the destination. Part of God's purpose for us is the journey to the destination. 
And that's important to remember because we can get so focused in on the goal that we think God has for our lives that we miss the journey of getting there. And I believe with all my heart that does God care about the destination? Absolutely. But does God care just as much about each step of the journey between here and the destination? Absolutely. You see, when we're following the leader, instead of plotting the course, we've got to understand that right away. That it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey. And God cares so much about that journey because it is a relationship that we have with him. Okay? It's not an end point. We're not trying to get to God. We're not trying to journey to him. He is with us. And each step along the way is part of his plan and part of what he's doing in us is that journey. And so we've got to understand that if we're going to follow the leader and resist the temptation to plot out the course that God, that we think God has for our life. And that's exactly what the Israelites had to do at the very beginning of their journey. Moses, as their leader, had to say, God, it doesn't make sense that you want me to take them towards the Red Sea and through the desert, through the wilderness, to get there when I could go another route that would be easier. But Moses had to say, you know, it's not just about the destination. It's not just about ending up in Jericho and ending up and taking possession of the promised land. It's also about this journey that we're on right now. That's very important to understand. There's something else I think we can see that ought to help us. For me, sometimes it's good to know the good stuff that God, it's all about the journey instead of the destination. But sometimes just because of who I am, I need some warnings as well. I need to know the negative side if I don't choose the right thing. Because sometimes that helps me choose the right thing when I know the consequences of not choosing the right thing. Let's look at the second part of verse 17. For God said, here's his reason for not letting them go up the Mediterranean by the Mediterranean coast. He says, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Because here's what we don't know. Here's what I would not have known as an Israelite who had been a slave for hundreds of years in the land of Egypt. I would not have known there was this little group of people called the Philistines who lived on the coast, on the Mediterranean coast. And they were a very warlike people, savage people, pagan people, ready to do battle. And guess what? You got a group of slaves who they had not been doing anything but making bricks out of mud and straw for the last few hundred years. They weren't warriors. They had been slaves. They were not prepared. They were not ready. They were not trained as warriors. And so it, they were not ready at that point in time to meet the Philistines in battle. I would not have known that. But God knew that. And here's the point. When we try to plot the course ourselves, instead of following the leader, oftentimes it leads to bondage. You see, we've been talking about this for weeks. This has been a theme through, through a lot of our times together on Sunday mornings lately. Our pastor, Dan, has been talking about surrender and about just being crucified to ourselves and letting the Spirit of God live through us. We've been journeying through that idea together for a long time. Last week, Phil Young shared with us the same thing, that our lives have got to be Christ-centered. And to be Christ-centered, we've got to be surrendered to Him. It's coming up again right here. 
allowing God to plot the, co- plot the course for us instead of ourselves and just being willing to follow him, that's where freedom comes. When we try to plot the course, oftentimes it leads to bondage because we can't see what's ahead. We don't know what God has in store. We don't know what obstacles are ahead. We honestly don't know in and of ourselves what we can handle in that moment and what we can't, but God does. And when we will trust him to plot the course, he will, and he will guide us in the way that, we're, that we need to go. When we try to take the reins and do it ourselves, we kind of got a little snapshot of what would have happened if the Israelites had chosen to go along the Mediterranean Sea. God says, you know, the reason I'm going to lead you through the wilderness is not to make it a tougher journey for you. It's not to make you endure the wilderness and endure all of that, that struggle of going that way. God said, I'm not sending you that way to punish you. I'm not sending you that way to teach you a lesson. I'm sending you that way to protect you. I'm sending you that way because you will encounter something going another way that's just going to bring you back to bondage. You are going to want to go back to Egypt if you go the way you might choose instead of the way that I choose. So we've got to understand that, and that ought to help us just in our, human, in our humanness, that ought to help us say, God, I've just got to understand and I've got to trust that if I surrender to you, that freedom is found there because you know best and I don't. There's something else we can see. Verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Here's the thing. If we're going to choose to let God plot the course and we're going to follow the leader, Here's what's required, obedience. Obedience is essential. On this journey, we have got to come to a place of just obedience. You know, I kind of think about Moses. I don't know that Moses really was all right with the direction God was leading them. He probably would have chosen another. He probably thought, man, I'd really love to go this way because Moses didn't even want to lead anyway. So in my mind, I'm thinking Moses is looking for the easiest possible way in the shortest possible time that he has to be calling the shots and leading this huge million-plus group of people. I'm thinking Moses is looking for for the easy way to do this. And so when God says, hey, Moses, we're going this way, Moses is like, God, no, why? Why do we have to do it this way? But at the end of the day, Moses was obedient. And he set his direction and he set his sights on the Red Sea and on the wilderness that lay ahead as the course to get to the destination that God had for the people. So, and that ought to free you up to say, you know, you don't always have to like the journey. (laughs) You don't always have to be okay with where you are and where you find yourself in your journey with Christ right now. It doesn't always have to feel good. You don't always have to understand where you are in the moment and understand all the circumstances surrounding you. That's not what's required. Human logic, human reasoning to figure out what it is God is doing in your life and in my life right now, that's not required to follow the leader. It's just obedience. It's just obedience. It's just trust that God is in control. And that was required for the Israelites to get where God wanted them to go. And if we look on over in verse 21, it says, The Lord went before them by day. Actually, before we even get there, there's a little bit even before that. Sorry, the second half of verse 18. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. You know, and I read that, and the first few times I read that, I thought, 
But God, you just said that the reason they didn't go up by the way of the Philistines was because they weren't ready for war. They weren't ready to face the Philistines. But here you just said they went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. You know, and I I thought, what a contradiction that is to see that. Then as I read that and as I kind of prayed through that and looked at what this passage is actually talking about, that phrase there, equipped for battle, that phrase means they were prepared for the journey. And there's a lot of debate about exactly what, what that means in the Hebrew, and we won't get into all that. But, you know, there's, there's the thought that that just meant they were equipped like any traveler would have been in that day. They would have had a weapon. They would have had a means to protect themselves from, from just groups of, of raiders who would come through and try to attack groups as they traveled or to protect themselves from wild animals that might, they might encounter along the way. So you were equipped you know, for a journey. You couldn't just set out and go somewhere. You had to have some weapons. You had to have a means to defend yourself as you, as you went along the way. And also we understand, if you think back to as the children of Israel were getting ready to leave, what did Pharaoh, what did God tell Moses to instruct the children of Israel to do? He said to go to the Egyptians and start asking them for stuff. Start getting, just ask them for, for things to, to take along on the journey. And so, and that's exactly what they did. So the children of Israel, who were slaves, they had nothing. They ended up leaving Egypt with all kinds of wealth and all kinds of possessions that they would not have had because God allowed that to happen. And he allowed the Egyptians to just kind of hand over stuff to them. So they were equipped. They were prepared. They, they were ready for the journey. And when we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life, rather than trying to plot the course, God will prepare us for the journey. But so many times, when we want to plot the course, we're not prepared for the journey that lies ahead. So preparedness comes from obedience, and it comes from surrender. And God equipped them, and he prepared them for the journey that lied ahead for them. The last thing I want us to see is in verses 21 and 22. And this is kind of where this... We start to remember that what God was doing and how he led them. But it's a cool passage, and this is the first time we see it. In verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. A couple things that we see. When we choose to follow the leader rather than plot the course, that ensures our victory. That preparedness that we just talked about, it ensures the victory. Do we have to worry about the destination? No, God does. We have to worry about following him. And when we follow him, God equips us, God prepares us for what is ahead, even though we may not understand it, but God does. And so he equips us and he prepares us which ensures our victory. And then the last thing we see is that following the leader also ensures something else. It ensures his presence with us on the journey. What if the Israelites had chosen to go up by the coast? Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, I don't think it would have gone before them because that's not where God was leading. But when they followed the leadership of God, rather than trusting their own insight and their own human reasoning, 
that ensured God's presence with them along the way. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I would rather go on a little longer journey that might be a little harder terrain with God's presence going before me and equipping me and preparing me and leading the way than to try to take a shorter route and try to do it on my own and trust my own ability and my own strength and my own reasoning to get there because I don't have any. My strength doesn't last. My reasoning is very flawed. And we all are that way. We are very frail people in and of ourselves. It is only through the power of God at work in us that we can, that those scriptures are true, that we are more than conquerors and that we can do all things. It's always through Christ. It's through his presence. And in the Old Testament here, as the children of Israel are going out, that presence was the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And that's what led the way. And that's what they had to keep their, their sight set on. And that's what they had to follow wherever it led. And as they followed that where it led, they were going to have success in the journey. And they were going to have the presence of God going before them. And they will see all the miraculous things that God would do along the way. For us, we don't have a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire to follow. We have the indwelling spirit of God in us to plot the course and to lead the way. And that's what we have to follow. That's what we have to set our sights on. We've got to look to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives and trust that presence of God in us to lead us where he wants us to go. You know, and as I, as I thought about that, I thought, well, God, let's, let's just bring that into some application, just some practical stuff for each and every one of us. You know, I thought through just so many things that God could, could say to us through that scripture. You know, that, well, how do we do that? I thought about that. I was like, well, how? Okay, I understand. I need to follow, follow the leader. I need to follow God's leading. All right? Well, how do I do that? Give me something practical. How do I follow God? That sounds kind of vague to say, just trust the Holy Spirit's guidance. That's real good church talk. But how does that flesh out in my everyday life? That fleshes out the children of Israel had to keep their eyes on that pillar of cloud and fire that led them each step of the journey. For us, we just said we've got to keep our eyes on the Spirit of God and trust His leading in our life. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that through a relationship with Him. You see, following the leader, it sounds easy just to say those words, but that requires us to dive into God's word. That requires us to immerse ourselves, our minds and our hearts into the pages of that book to understand God's heart, to understand what it is God desires to do in his children. And we've got to follow and trust that. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to delight ourselves in him. For those of us that are children of God, that's what it means to follow the leader. It means to keep our eyes set on him, to love the things that he loves, to be about the things that he is about. And the only way we're gonna know that, the only way we're gonna experience that is through this, is through knowing what he said to us here, through times of spending time with him in communication through prayer, through community with each other and having other believers pour into us and being in community there. That's how we do that. That's how we follow. That's how we Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that's where the strength to follow him comes from. 
It comes through that daily relationship. So maybe this morning you may be thinking, you know, I love the Lord, but I really like being in control. I like plotting the course, and that scares me to death to think about surrendering to a control of my everyday life to him. My challenge to you, my challenge to myself, was then get to know him better. Because as you understand him better, as you see the character of God and his nature, and as you begin to, to allow that to just absorb into your mind and your heart, you can trust him to lead when you trust and understand who he is. But it may have to start there. So if it's a fear thing, if you're hearing this this morning and you think, okay, I get what you're saying, but I'm scared to do it, that just challenge you. Get to know him better. Pray for it. Seek out. Spend more time getting intimate with God through the pages of his word, through times of worship, through prayer, so that you are more able and more equipped to trust his leading in your life. You know, maybe you're there. Maybe you've got that relationship and you understand that the best way to know what God wants is to know his word and to, and to spend time with him. You, you're there. You understand that part of it. But maybe God has led you up to a point where you've got to choose the route by the Mediterranean Sea, so to speak, or to go across the wilderness. And you've come to a point where you understand and you are very well aware of the fact that one journey is going to be easy and you think it's going to be easy and the other one is going to be a little more difficult. And you're just at a point of obedience. You're at a point of just saying, which way am I going to set my sights? Which way am I going to go? Am I going to take the course that I've plotted out where I can kind of see what lies ahead and I've kind of laid the pieces out and I know what's coming? Or am I going to just have a daily trust in God to lead the way? It may just be obedience, you know? And that's not a real romantic, fun, feel-good message to preach. Obedience is not easy. Obedience is hard. And I'm not going to stand here this morning and say, oh, be obedient. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. No. Obedience is the toughest thing you'll ever do. Because that requires us to be crucified to ourselves. That requires us to trust God's leadership instead of our own. But it may just be a simple act of obedience to say, God, I know what you're doing in my heart. I know how you're leading me. And I'm going to go. Even though I don't understand what lies ahead, I don't know what tomorrow may hold. I don't know what you're doing in the midst of my situation that I'm in right now. But I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to be obedient today. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be obedient. And the next day, and the day after that, I'm going to choose obedience so that I can follow you and so that I can have your presence at work in my life. Because that's where the victory comes, as we've seen. So I don't know. I don't know where this lands with you. I'm not sure what God's doing with it, but I know God is probably working in your life through, through his word because he promises that he will. But my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that I would get to this point where I would understand that my journey with Christ is about following him, not trying to call the shots myself. And I said earlier that I was going to share with you kind of how this journey is playing out in my life right now. And so I'm going to do that for a few minutes, and then I'm going to bring it back to what's God saying to you. I'm going to go ahead and get real vulnerable this morning and tell you what God's saying to me through this then I want, to put, I want to put it back on each and every one of us in this room today and say, what's God saying to you 
through this passage of Scripture? Where is God calling you to follow, and are you willing to do it? So we'll bring it back there in just a minute, but if we can just take a moment, I want to share with you guys. Um, I shared Wednesday night with, with our students, and I know some of you also, word has gotten out, and you know, um, some of you know what I'm getting ready to share. And um, our pastor is very well aware of this. He and I have had several conversations. He is, in fact, through technology, he is with us this morning. He is watching um, the stream of this service right now. So if you want to turn around and look at the sound booth and wave, you can wave at Pastor Dan right now. He is, <laughs> he is here with us. Um, so Micah, he saw when you nodded off just a few minutes ago. Um, but, but he is well aware of this. And, um, and Mr. Shell, I have something for you um, at the end of the service today. Um, here's what God's doing in my life. Um, and I'm just, because this is a, again, remember I said that obedience isn't easy, um, but that it's right, and that's what we have to do. We've got to follow God's leading and not our own, and we have to trust him and not our own logic and not our own plans that we can't plot our course. He has to plot the course, and our job is to follow. The reason I could talk about that this morning is because that's where I'm living right now, and that's where I've been living for, for many weeks. There's been a lot of prayer um, for me and my family in the last, in the last little bit um, because of an opportunity that God has brought before me and honestly, it was an opportunity that I wasn't looking for. And it was an opportunity that I really didn't want. I actually went to speak with, um, with a group of people. And on the way there, my thoughts and my prayers were, were this. They were, God, I don't want to go. God, I hope you don't want this. God, you are going to have to ride it in the sky if you want me to go here. Because I like where I am. I love what you're doing right here. I'm comfortable here. I can see what's ahead here. I can kind of see the course ahead. And if you're calling me to do something else, we're going back to one step at a time, one move at a time. You know, focus on you for each step of the way. And honestly, I'm just being real vulnerable with you. I didn't like that. I didn't want that. I wanted to be right here. But God had, God had some other plans. And, um, and so I guess I was debating about what to do, and this seems a little too formal for me um, to do this, but I think it's going to help me be able to get through it better than just to try to share it. So if you would give me the privilege of reading something to you, I think I will get through this a lot better than if I try to look at you and, and say this, okay? All right. Church family. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I read this passage of scripture in Luke 5, verse 4, while watching the sunrise over the Sea of Galilee five years ago this month. God spoke to me in a powerful way through this passage, and the result of that encounter led me and my family to Calvary Baptist Church four months later to be your student pastor. It was God's leading that brought us to Calvary in November of 2007. And God has played a significant role, or Calvary has played a significant role in my life since I was 11 years old when I came with my parents to be part of this amazing church. As a result of my connection to Calvary, for most of my life, it was a dream come true to be given the opportunity to serve as one of your pastors. The blessings of God have been abundant, and you have made this journey so wonderful for me and my family. 
I'm convinced that our days here have been ordained by the Lord. And that's why today is so difficult. Through a tremendous amount of prayer, godly counsel, I am convinced that God is calling us to once again put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, which will take us away from Knoxville and our Calvary family. This decision is the most difficult one we've had to make up until this point in our ministry. The difficulty comes not in saying yes to the Lord, but in saying goodbye to all of you. In my heart, I never thought this day would come. I guess that's why God has reminded me lately of Proverbs 16:9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I've served here with the mindset that my family and I would never leave. However, the Lord has been stirring my heart to be part of what he is doing in Southport, North Carolina, and I can say with full certainty that our time here is coming to an end. So that's why today I'm officially resigning as your student pastor. Our last Sunday will be August the 12th, 2012. I've already been and will continue to work closely with Dr. Dan Riley and the other pastoral staff and the adult leadership team of the student ministry to ensure that the student ministry will continue to flourish during this transitional time. I can say without reservation that I have given my best to help lead the students of Calvary to take ownership of their relationship with Christ, be part of his story, and my prayer is that they will continue to grow deeper in their knowledge of him and live lives of surrender to him and service for him. After this time of transition, my family and I will be moving to Southport, North Carolina to serve at Beach Road Baptist Church which is an area of North Carolina that is 90% unchurched. I will be the associate pastor of worship and student ministry. This is a big step of faith for us, knowing that we are leaving a great church in Calvary to answer God's call to a mission field. Because of what God has taught us through you, we are better prepared to step out in faith, believing God to do a similar work at Beach Road like he's doing here at Calvary. Please hear these words from the bottom of my heart. Though my relationship as your student pastor will change, my love for all of you will not. And that's why this is so difficult. We've become family over the past few years, and now God is calling us to serve him in another place. Words cannot express my gratitude for the way you have poured blessing into me and my family over the past five years. We have walked together through many things, and the result is a deep love for our family here at Calvary. God directs our steps and promises not to leave us or forsake us. And I'm confident that if God is leading us on to something new and wonderful, then the same is true for Calvary. God will not take from one at the expense of another. If God is preparing to bless my family with a new work, then he's preparing to bless Calvary with a new student pastor who he can use to build on what he is already doing in the hearts of the middle and high school students here. I truly believe that your best days are yet ahead. And though I will not always be your student pastor, we will always be family. I look forward with great expectation to hearing about how, how God continues to use Calvary to draw people to Christ and make Jesus famous in Knoxville and around the world. So that's where I am with, with what we've just talked about this morning. And so I don't stand here this morning telling you that you need to quit plotting the course and start following the leader lightly because this is the hardest thing I've ever done in ministry. It's actually one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I think losing my father is the only thing that is any harder than, than this right here because this is home. You know, 
most of my memories spiritually have been in this place. And I didn't want to leave. In my mind, the course that God had for me was to be right here until I was as old as Dan and Joe. You know, um, that, was, that was my thinking. Sorry, I had to lighten the mood for a minute. This was getting too heavy. Um, that was my plan. That was, that was my plan. That was my reasoning. Is God, you want me right here because you are doing something so special right here. The last few weeks, the last few months, this last year of ministry with our students has been the greatest that I've had here. I've seen God do so much in the lives of these people sitting on these first couple of rows. And it just blows my mind. And the Sunday that after we got back from Big Stuff and so many of our students came forward and just began praying, I stood back and I watched them pray. And I knew that I was getting ready a week later to go meet with a group of people at a church in Southport, North Carolina to see if God was in that. And as I stood there watching that and I had that image just, just you know, <laughs> burned into my mind, I thought, God, what are you doing with this picture? And my thoughts, my logic, my reasoning said, God, you're calling me to stay here. God, you want me right here because you are doing something so special here right now. I've got to be a part of it. I've got to stay. I can't leave. I've got, to, I've got to continue doing what you've started here. And I thought, well, that very well may be it. And so that's how I went. That was the mindset I had as I went to North Carolina that next weekend. Was that, God, I have to be here. And if you want something different, you're going to have to pry my hands off of this student ministry because I'm holding on. Well, in my time there, God began to pry my hands off, and he reminded me of some things. He reminded me that what God's doing in your hearts has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And that if God is calling me to do something else, he's still going to be here to continue doing what he started in you. And so I can trust that. And I can trust that God has used me to do what he called me here to do. And that we're going to be and that you guys will continue to grow and you will continue to follow Christ and live lives to serve him and honor him and go deeper and take ownership of your faith. And I did, I wrestled with God so much over the last few weeks. But God, I can't go. It doesn't make sense to go. Why would I leave a church like this with a student ministry like this, which is every youth pastor's dream? I've told these guys on many occasions when we go on trips and I see other youth groups, they annoy me. They get on my nerves and I think, I don't like teenagers but I like you guys. And I'm sitting here thinking, why would I leave the only group of teenagers I've ever met that I really like? No offense to my friends who are here from my old youth group. Um, you know, but why would I leave to go work with people I might not like? You know, I mean, I was, I was having just these battles with God and just these wrestling matches. And God kept saying, you know, you don't get to plot the course. That on your journey with me, it's about following me. It's about my presence, it's about my leading. And you're gonna have to trust me. And even though you don't understand the course, you've gotta trust that the destination at the end of this journey is good. And you've gotta be willing to embrace the journey that I've got before you. And then God reminded me of something else as I was still continuing to struggle and as I still thought, God, you, you can't be asking me to do this. God reminded me of something that I tell you guys on a regular basis. 
which has to do with obedience and what has, which has to do with when you know God is calling you to do something, when you know that God is moving in your life in some way that you have got to respond with yes, Lord, even if you don't like it and even if it doesn't make sense. You've just got to do it. You've got to be willing to step outside of the area where you're comfortable and step into that unknown with him, trusting him to lead the way. And I've seen so many of y'all do that. And I've seen people in our church do that outside of our students. And I thought, I'd be the biggest hypocrite if I'm asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do when God calls me to do it. And so I've got to be obedient. And so that's where this lands with me. Um, And I wanted to share that with you all this morning to let you know that. And in the weeks ahead, I hope to have the opportunity to tell you guys just how much you mean to me and my family. And hopefully we'll continue um, to have the opportunity to have a relationship. I don't want that to end just because we have to go serve in another place. Um, Because this is home, and this will always be home uh, for me and my family. But, um, But if we can, I'd like to pull this back to what's God saying to us this morning as a church. I've shared with you what God's saying to me and where I am with this. What's God saying to you through this? Where are you in your journey with Christ? And you need to kind of lay down that course plotting that you've been trying to do and just be surrendered to following his leadership. Is there an area where you know God is calling you to step out of the nice little neat, clean, safe world you've created for yourself and to step in to an area that's a little risky, an area that's a little uncertain, and you've just been saying no because you knew you couldn't figure it out? And maybe that's exactly it. Maybe God's just calling you to not be able to figure it out, but to be willing to trust and obey. I don't know. Maybe there's just an area of obedience in your life. You know, I look at Emily after, um, where is she? She's back there now with her dad. Um, As I sat there and had lunch with Emily a few weeks ago, and we talked about this, this was one of those things for her. Emily, as we talked, she knew that as a child, when she prayed a prayer, she told me, she goes, it didn't mean anything. There was never a heart change. But I've been trying to convince myself there was, and I've just been trying to play games with God and trying trying to do it on my own. And I said, well, are you ready to surrender? And are you ready to give control to the Lord? And she said, through some tears and through a lot of shaking and trembling, she said, yes, I am. So maybe that's where you are. Maybe there's just an area of your life where you've been holding on to something. And you just got to let it go. And say, God, I'll surrender. Because obedience is what you're after. Because if we're willing to be obedient, that means God's got our heart. And if we're not willing to obey, then that means something else has our heart. So maybe that's where this lands with you. I don't know. But my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would have the courage to surrender, to be obedient, to quit trying to plot the course and figure out for ourselves the destination that God has for us and that we would embrace the journey. And I want to close with this this morning. Then I'm going to give us a time to pray. So if the band wants to go ahead and make their way back up, I'm going to read something out of my utmost for his highest. Um, To you this morning, I want to leave this thought in our minds. And then the altar is going to be open. And if there's an area of your life that you need to just surrender, if there's an area of obedience that you just need to just 
do. Well, you just need to surrender to God. I invite you to just come lay that down before him right here. You don't have to. You can do it right where you sit. But there's just something powerful when we put that marker down and we get up out of our seats and we come to the front of a, of a room like this and we just, we just, it's just one of those markers in our life where we can say, God, I'm kind of putting this stone here and I'm saying this is, this is that moment. This is that moment where I'm surrendering control and giving it to you. So I invite you to use this. If there's an area there where you just need to do business with God, maybe what God's calling you to do is begin a journey with him. Maybe you're kind of like Emily, you know, and you've been playing games with God for a lot of years, and you know deep down in your heart there's no relationship with him there. You've just been hanging around church, but you've never invited Christ into your life, and there's not the presence of God living in you, and you know you need it, and you just need to surrender. There'll be people down front here this morning who would absolutely love the opportunity to pray with you and to nail down that decision with you so that you can begin that journey with him. So I invite you to do that because I think there probably are some people like that in this room this morning, in a room this size and with this many people. There are probably are some people who've been playing games with God and you need to quit playing games and you need to start following and trusting him rather than plot the course yourself. So I don't know where this lands with you, but let's read this passage out of that Oswald Chambers writes. And he writes this as he's thinking about the disciples being told by Jesus to sail across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And along the way, Jesus walks across the water to them. So that's the passage of scripture that Oswald Chambers is quoting when he talks about this right here. We're gonna put it on the screen for you to read. What is my vision? of God's purpose for me. Whatever it may be, his purpose is for me to depend on him and on his power now. If I can stay calm, faithful, and unconfused while in the middle of the turmoil of life, the goal of the purpose of God is being accomplished in me. God is not working toward a particular finish. His purpose is the process itself. What he desires for me is that I see him walking on the sea with no shore, no success, no goal in sight, but simply having the absolute certainty that everything is all right because I see him walking across the sea. It is the process, not the outcome, that is glorifying to God. Father, would you take these words this morning as we've looked into the pages of scripture and we've seen an example of God, how you are, you go before us, how you lead the way, how God, our, our job is to be obedient. Our job is to embrace the journey and allow you to fill us and guide us and direct us. God, our job is obedience. God, your job is to take care of the rest. So God, wherever we find ourselves this morning, Father, if it's a decision, if it's a step we need to take, if it's an area where we're struggling, God, where we're just in the middle of turmoil, Father, I just pray that you would just take the words that we've read this morning. God, that we would follow you. God, that we wouldn't follow you from a distance, but God, we would follow you so closely that all we can see is you. Because God, then and only then is victory sure. Then and only then are we promised to be able to experience the fullness of your presence at work in our lives. So I pray you would take these words this morning and use them in our lives. In Jesus' name.